Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to my vinyasa practices, Heartfelt Consciousness. And today we have Lori and Sherry here again with us to discuss the third pillar, connection. And uh, I'll just go ahead and get right to it. Thanks, ladies, for being here again. Thank you. We are always glad to be here. Always fun to talk with you. Yes, very, very excited today. Connection is so important. And I think I personally struggle with this a little bit, to be honest. Um, And, you know, it's all based on our lived experience, right? You know, what we have experienced in our childhood and young adult lives and adult lives shape our perception of the world and our perception of ourself. And, um, And at the same time, I know how important connection is when it comes to a relationship between a yoga teacher and a student. So I'm really excited to dive into this topic today. Um, So I'd love to just talk to you a little bit about what comes up for you when we talk about connection and why you think it's important for the student-teacher relationship. Really, it's important for humans. Um, it's really one of those fundamental needs that we humans have as we come into the world, even before we come into the world, there's an attachment. We come from another human. We seek out other humans. And the reason that humans have been able to do all the amazing things we have is not just because of the masculine energy of um, achieving and conquering and always moving the, the, um, the, our, our frontier outwards, but it's also that very feminine energy of cooperating and working together. And so uh, in my, uh, having both of those is, um, that, that connection is just so important for us. We, we die without it. We, we die without it. Yeah. We talk yeah. a lot in the, um, in the book, we, we bring in a couple of different research projects um, and they talk about the, the scientific human importance of connection. And I think that's why when students come into a studio and they feel connected, either with one person that they're meeting there or the entire group or the yoga teacher or their practice or whatever it is that's bringing them in with that magnetism of connection, it's really important. Um, I was listening to a book the other day and he was talking about the importance of connection. And it's, the book is called Us and it's about um, relationships. And what he was referring to is some experiments that Dr. Ed Tronick did. And it was a mother who is uh, sitting with a, an infant in, a, um, in a, um, a car seat. And the mother is very interactive and playing with the child. And then at some point in the experiment, the mother just still face, no expression. No, so anything that the baby was using before to get mom's attention and have that interaction, it's just for, it's like 30 seconds, but then you can see the baby. So this is a baby of probably eight months old, um, trying really hard to get mom's attention and then just can't, and then starts to really stress and have a lot of anxiety. And so I do think that as yoga teachers, we need to know that that connection isn't just, we're not just bringing that into yoga. That's a really important thing as humans. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I can't, I agree with you completely. I think connection is important uh, as a human being. And at the same time, you know, it can sometimes it can be, you know, it can be really challenging for people. You know, a lot of our students are really guarded and, you know, or they're seeking connection to fill something else. So, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit about how we can be responsible in connection with our students. 
And I think that a lot of times comes in with your intuition as a yoga teacher. And I've, I've taught a couple of times these past two years at the yoga teacher conference, and it was about how to use your intuition as a yoga teacher. And I think it's very basic. I, I do, do think that everybody is intuitive to some degree, and it's almost like a muscle that we can acknowledge and start to play with and practice and, and strengthen, or it's something we can say, I'm just not intuitive. And, and, and really, I think you literally shut it off. But I think you make up a really good point, which is not everybody wants you to come up and give them a big fat hug and say, welcome to my class. If you do that, you are probably doing the opposite of connection. And so I feel like it's a dance between us as yoga teachers understanding our students, and it could be somebody who's just brand new to your class. You may not have any ongoing um, relationship with this person, but I feel like it's, I, I would err on the side of being less um, approaching to people and, let, and being more responsive and allowing space for connection to happen instead of trying to push for it to happen. And I do think that a lot of that comes down to that intuitive sense and, uh, and practice. And, and I I also feel, I mean, I'd be real curious, Michelle, as you said, it's maybe not as something that you're as good at because every time I've been with you, I feel openness for connection. But as a yoga teacher, we're doing something a little bit different. There's a one-on-one -on -one connection and there's a group energy connection. And so I'm curious if you have any more insight into that. Well, for me, I, I think a lot of it, um, when we talk about connection, it is a very tender spot in my own personal life, um, you know, I'm sure that I know that uh, Sherry knows, I'm not sure if Lori knows, um, but I lost my mother when I was really young. And so there was this misperception that people didn't want to be around me because they had to face loss. And I, I didn't articulate all of that in my head, but that was the misperception and it shaped a lot of my, my behavioral patterns and the way I interacted with people, the way I held my body. Um, and one of the things that yoga really did for me was it helped me to, you know, to undo some of that doing and to recognize it, to see it for what it was. And the connection that I had with my teacher was so strong that um, it, it, it felt like, um, I almost, sometimes I liken it to being a baby duck, right? When we see ourselves and we see the person who's led us to that place, you know, there's almost this, you know, like attachment, like Lori spoke to a moment ago. Um, and, you know, so I go back and forth, you know, in terms of my own personal, you know, perception of connection and connection with students and because of my lived experience. So, and that definitely shapes the way that I interact with individual students. When I'm interacting with a group, I feel like the connection is easier for me. It's easier for me to connect with a group um, because I can hold space for the collective and it's not about one particular person, but it's about meeting each student where they're at and using, like you were talking about that intuition to sort of identify what student is ready for what you know, and how I can move them to, you know, that next phase of their practice or their awareness, et cetera. So, you know, I, I, I feel like I can implement connection with a group easier than I can one-on-one. -on -one. And at the same time, I still feel like, especially after talking with you both over the last couple of sessions, 
I do feel like there are some way, some areas of opportunity in my own personal teaching, you know, and how, um, you know, how layered am I, um, are my classes and, and how are those layers creating opportunity for connection? Um, and so, you know, I think that, um, you know, it's, it's one of the things that we might reflect on. And I don't know, Lori, if you have any, any insight on this, but, you know, what helps us to bring about these feelings of connection in a yoga class? Yeah, that's such a great question to start with, because like so much in yoga, um, and with all of these five pillars that we're talking about, the five C's, it starts with the inside. It starts with yourself. So this connection with yourself, one aspect of that is your intuition. The more you um, spend time with yourself, the more you can trust and know yourself. But under that is the knowing yourself. Um, I have made a conscious decision in the last few months to um, make more space and not fill my plate with things as other things go off my plate. I don't fill new things on my plate because I'm seeking that space to be with myself and to know myself and to allow that to happen and not to be busy for the sake of being busy. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm at a stage of life where that's a little bit of a luxury and a privilege because um, I've fulfilled some of the commitments I've had to other people, but it's also a conscious decision to um, nurture that well of myself, to dip my toes in it daily, um, and to see what's really there. Um, so when the, to the degree that I do that, I think I can go out into my, my immediate world and be more connectable. And then to my extended, it rings out there of being more connectable because I'm more authentic. I know who, I know more of who I am. I know what's okay with me, what's not okay with me. And I just show up in a less defended way because I'm making friends with myself. Mm, mm. You know, that's I, really, oh, go ahead. I will add in as well. Um, when we started to put this book together, we were looking at the technical pieces that you can put together after you come out of your yoga teacher training to help you to like connect all the dots. You have this, this array of tools and we were like, how do you figure out how to pull all this together? But the common theme that started running through the book was this rooting that Lori is talking about. And when, from a personal standpoint, when I am able to take the time and the space as Lori was just referring to, I show up better in all areas of my life. And so I will reiterate that. And even Michelle, what you were saying about um, layers of your, of your teaching practice, the book sometimes looks like it's for baby teachers, meaning um, trainees and maybe fresh out of teaching, uh, teacher training and maybe that first year. But there's so many layers and it becomes a path of self-discovery using the, the concepts in the book and having that beginner's mind and being able to, to explore and test out and you know experiment with different methods of your teaching, different ways that you can express your teaching yoga journey um, along the way. And then one other thing I wanted to com comment on, Michelle, back to what you were saying is that meet students where they are. We, we talk about that a lot. I've heard that in many of the teacher trainings that I've taken workshops and it is such an important concept. And, and with this connection piece and what you had shared as well is that's exactly meeting students where they are. Open the door for them to be welcomed in, not forcing yourself through the door, allowing them to come to you and 
also being able to depend on that collective energy. It's a much safer place for most people is to come in and breathe together as a group, even if I don't even know you all, all of the students' names, maybe I don't even know anybody's name, but there's something about that collective human energy that I think is so attractive to people and that's why they come in. And even shy people, even introverted people, even people who are in a bad mood that day, there's something about that collective energy that can bring us up. Absolutely. Well, I think that, you know, this is all really important and, you know, fostering connection between our students and our community, whether it's in a one-on-one -on -one or a group class or in the lobby of the studio is, you know, key to a successful uh, teaching practice and a successful business. So I'd love to sort of pick your brain about, you know, how businesses can incorporate connection and foster connection not only between the student and the teacher, but between the teachers and their peers, because that's something as a studio owner, I know is, is always on my mind. How do I foster connection between the teachers and, and create that, that, that um, element of connection there? But why is it important to business and how can we do it in a way that doesn't come across, and I'm, I'm just gonna throw it out there, like a cult, right? Yes, and I do think, I, I remember when I, early on in my yoga practice, people didn't really understand what yoga meant. And, and I do think that there could be some um, prejudice about what, I even had somebody one time ask me, how do you balance out being a Christian and practicing yoga? And I was like, I don't put those on the same plane, um, but okay. So we do have to be, be aware that people see it differently. Um, and I, I will say the most connected yoga studio that I have been in, it became connected and not cultish. Now, remember, I was on the inside and I think cult sometimes comes from the outside, but it was because we were friends. So we did things, we hung around and talked in the studio and I'm talking yoga students, but also teachers. It was, it was the connective piece. And I really think um, this comes from it comes, it's an energy. And I think it comes from ownership and management. And it, it comes from their culture that they're working on. When, when I'm creating the culture, let's say I own the studio or I'm managing the studio. A lot of that initiates with me and my approach to it. Now, from a purely business standpoint, it's really good to have that magnetic connection. However, it happens because it brings students back and that helps your bottom line. I mean, that's, you want students. And when I used to work in an athletic club, I helped with the marketing there. And the two hardest things were attracting new students and the harder thing was keeping the students. And it's that connection piece. It's definitely you know, good offerings of what you have and uh, convenient hours and convenient location. I mean, all of that from a business perspective is important, but I will tell you the magic glue is the connection piece. Yeah. And I'd like to speak to that question too, Michelle, because I think it's so important, the difference between um, I don't know the alternative, but in a cult, the, a cult and a good and a functional place. Cause I, I think cults are dysfunction. And for me, yeah. that distilled piece is where the energy and the power is going. If I yeah. am in a place where I feel like I've had a few really amazing teachers who are trying to help fill me up with my own power and not take my power from me. And when I hear stories of cults and, um, uh, you know, just disempowerment, it's somebody trying to be your guru 
and take your power, maybe even take your money. Um, So it's such a different feeling. And um, when I think about the times I have felt disempowered, not having anything to do with cultish behavior or anything, but the times I've gone through something really hard and I haven't wanted to go to the grocery store and I haven't wanted to go to work and I haven't wanted to walk the dog. The one place I do want to go is my yoga class where there's that safe space, that that place for me to feel the support of the container that the teacher has made that the students are participating in too, my fellow students. So I may not even know anything more than their name, but it's this container that's been built for me and is there for me when I need it. I love this. And I'm so grateful that we're making space to talk about this because what you said is exactly what came up as as um, we were talking a moment ago when Sherry was talking about, you know, like um, creating that, you know, magnetism. It's not so much about one person being like the hierarchy. And in fact, one of the reasons I brought it up is because I can't tell you how many times people will write us and tell us about, you know, they're, they're appreciative that we're not perpetuating a guru mentality, that there's not one person that's like this figurehead that, you know, does all the things. And, and we really strive to create balance and to give everybody an opportunity to connect and have multiple perspectives that are sort of seen through this line of lineage. And I think that sometimes, whether you're a new teacher or you're an experienced teacher, you can buy into this scarcity mentality that says, I have to use connection to create some sort of dependency, which ultimately turns into that sort of cult sort of cult of personality sort of mentality. And it's just a misunderstanding, you know? I mean, like one of the things that I think is really beautiful about the group connection is being able to see everybody's talents and strengths and to share in that and leverage it as a collective. So, you know, I I just think this is a really awesome conversation. And I'll say too, um, Michelle, you and I have talked about this before with the um, yoga teacher coaching circles, and you were talking about your teaching teams and how do we create that connective energy between them is to honor each one of them, no matter how long they've been teaching for you, no matter how long they've been teaching, no matter who they studied under, each of us has something to share and each of us has something to learn. And so if we come to, and and I do think instructor meetings are important, like here's the promotions coming up for next month and what are you hearing from your students and the technical parts of running a studio. But I also think that there are some huge benefits if you can encourage and invite and support your teachers coming together to be together. And, And it could be for a, um, a summer barbecue, it can be, I mean, it doesn't have to be an agenda. It's, it's how do we as people come together and we work together and how do we strive towards this vision through this culture that we're creating in our studio to provide the yoga and the services and, and the energy and the connection with our students. We, we, that's, that's our goal. I, and I think we approach it individually and we, we approach it collectively. And the key word I think that you said is that collective energy. It's a we, not a me. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think this leads us into, you know, the art of seeing our students and being present with our students. Um, because that really does foster connection. It helps us to feel, again, like sort of like what I mentioned earlier, like when you 
feel like you're seen and then you then can see yourself. There's a lot of transformation that, that comes from that. You know, so I'd love to hear about how we can leverage intuition to really access this and and stay appropriate and, you know, and safe in, in our approach. Yeah, not only intuition, but also capacity. Um, we start this pillar on, our, I'm going to read a, a small quote we have from Brene Brown. We start this pillar on connection saying a quote from her, I define connection as the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued. And our capacity to see, hear, and value other people is created by the capacity we have to see, hear, and value ourselves. So again, that's starting from the inside out. Then the intuition play, um, that comes in, I think, when um, one of the teachers I, I was talking about who is, has spent the last 30 years helping me um, tune into my own power, claim it, live from it. Um, and she is playing with this idea now that it's not just this chakra from which our intuition comes, but all of them. And um, she's had me working with this vision of like a, almost a, a, a saxophone or a flute or a, a cocopelli um, dancer. And each one of those notes here is one of my chakras. And I have flow going, going through it from each one. And so I'm like this whole read of, of picking up information, picking up energy, processing it through my body. This is an embodiment thing. This isn't just a head thing and um, putting it back out into the world. So I just really love this um, image I've been playing with with her. Uh, thanks to her lately of, of using it in my whole body, not just not just here. Mm -hmm. I and I that. think that that um, resonates also because we are whole beings. And um, a lot of the meditations that I do, I, I practice mindfulness meditation, but there are times when I open my meditation thinking about my head center, my heart center, and my body center, and bringing those into, um, into line with each other, because many times I can get stuck in my head, I'm all right here, and going to yoga is such a wonderful um, way to start to blend that um, because you are thinking and then you're not thinking and then you're feeling and then you're being and you're doing and then and, and all of it comes together. And I think that when we're in that kind of resonance is when we can open the intuitive channels. It's doing what Lori had referred to earlier. It's coming into a quiet space. And in our society, when we have all of our devices and there's lots of stimulus, it's easy to get lost in all the things. And yet slowing down and just being with my breath, maybe being in the moment of my yoga practice, I feel like that is the door that opens for this intuitive space. And we're saying as a, as a human, we're saying, I'm saying, I am opening this space. I want to be here. I want to be present and I'm listening. I'm tuning in and I'm listening. And then in the book, and I work with a spiritual mentor as well, and she's in her mid eighties and I've been working with her for probably 25 years. And, you know, one of the things that was hard for me in the beginning was I had some intuition. I'm very empathic. So I feel other people's feelings and I didn't know what to do with that. I, it, it actually was kind of messing with some of my relationships. And so she helped me by um, teaching me how to ground my energy which is opening that space of being ready for intuition to come through and then starting to learn about how to trust your intuition. How do we, how do we know that it's not just this 
um, idea going by and or is it really something that is coming from my inner voice my intuition and so we put that in the book we wanted to give other people the opportunity to find that um, intuitive presence as well mm, we that. really did put a, several exercises in this section too didn't we sherry so that people can try to figure out where this is within them and and, and develop it and uh, bring it forth i love that intuition is so important and you know, in many different spiritual um, practices, it's really transmitted by the mother. And so yoga is a little bit different because ancient yoga was all male, it was male dominated. So, you know, when I think about some of the things you're saying, a lot of, a lot of, especially what you were talking about just a moment ago, Sherry, with your um, spiritual teacher, like that is literally verbatim in the yoga sutras talking about how to do that how to be able to discern what it is that is you know a perception or a verbalization opposed to like right knowledge right um but it's a very masculine slant and it actually like just really treats the the thoughts that the vritti uh it, like a uh, like something that we really have to, you know, detach from almost, you know, when the word isn't detached, it's not attachment, but that's what, that's the way it's couched, you know? And so I think that meditating on it and, you know, incorporating it into your life, I was actually writing about this this morning. It's more about being with than being detached, right? And then being able to identify well, what is mine or and what is like the projection of the world or you know this this other sort of fear. Maybe there's fear involved or one of the clashes is involved. So definitely, definitely an important thing. And and I think exercises really do support teachers. So that that's a great add to the book, ladies. Kudos there. And I, I think too, what you just said is all of that is our yoga mm -hmm. and our own yoga practice really comes through the rising part of that rooting is in our teaching practice. I mean, even what you were talking about is in the eight limbs of yoga and it's, it's moving through that. And it's not like you do the first limb and you graduate, you do the second limb and you graduate, you do the third limb. And, and in this, in this pillar in connection, we do talk about doing, you know, focusing on your own yoga practice because it is going to be the heart of how you teach. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Well, what are the best ways for yoga teachers to infuse connection into their classes or to their offerings, their interactions with, with students? And this is sort of a two-part question because I find in some yoga communities, you know, it's, it's easy for the yoga teacher to do this in a class or a one-on-one. -on -one. But when it comes to off the mat, outside the studio, that can be really challenging. So I'd love to hear your perspectives on, you know, in a one-on-one, -on -one, in a class, off the mat, in a coffee shop, like what are things that we can do that foster connection? I'll start with that on the, okay, so one-on-ones would be like a private yoga session. Many private yoga sessions will start with somebody coming up to me and saying, I'd like to learn how to uh, do a handstand or something like that. Something very specific, usually quite physical and, and, or they need help with alignment because they have an injury or something. But I will tell you most often we start the private yoga session and I'm talking to them. And one of the best things that I do is listen to them. 
I feel like um, it's something that really is missing in our society is truly listening and being with people. And so we may not be in poses and shapes, even if that's the number one reason why they said that they wanted to come into the private yoga session, because I want to understand them. I want to connect with them before we start the movement many, many times. It's, again, it comes down to an intuitive sense. If somebody comes in there and they're like, I want you to show me this transition from A to B to C, and I, I sense that they have a they have a mission absolutely but i will say that a lot of times that connection is the building block it's the foundation of how i approach them especially one on one so from a one on one perspective absolutely connection going to more of like a classroom you said yes it's it's a little bit easier because as it's greeting people at the door it's doing small things like remembering their name I, um, I'm fairly new to my town here and I started going to yoga and I met um, one of my favorite teachers now, her name's Kelly. And she knew my name the first time I came in as she checked me in and it was a bigger class, but I saw her on the street maybe a week and a half later and she remembered, she, she addressed me by name. So I had on a winter coat, I had on a hat, I had on gloves, I had my dog. I didn't look like my yoga person. And she still addressed me by name. And so it's these little tiny things. It's remembering that um, your son is going to be going to um, college in, in the fall and just checking in with you once or twice and just saying, hey, how's that going? And you did you take your son to orientation? And you know, those kinds of things. It's seeing people, it's, it's acknowledging them, it's being with them. Um, and then you also asked about outside of the classroom, as a, as a yoga teacher, when I was talking before about connecting with the students and connecting with the teachers, it absolutely doesn't have to be in the studio. Um, in fact, I will say that, I, like I said, I just moved here, but each of the locations where I have lived, my core group of friends have come from a studio. I think that yoga students are, it's a, it's a great community. It's where we resonate. We're all sort of coming at life and we have this common thread. Um, so I think outside the studio, it's something where you could do yoga in the park, or you could do yoga and a hike, or you could do just a barbecue. And I mean, I think there's so many ways to do that. I don't think that's expected of yoga teachers, but if it's part of your personality and you do want to foster those connections outside of the, of the studio, the physical walls of the studio, I say, don't be bound by the brick and mortar, you know, it, reach out and embrace and be a part of the community. Absolutely. Two really basic things that my two master teachers do um, is they greet everybody on the way in, which is really just saying, I see you, welcome. Um, so reiterating what Sherry's been saying. And then I love it when a class starts out with a unified breath that just uses breath, which we all have all the time to come together. I love that. I love that. What other things come up for you when we are talking about connection after the last you know, 40 minutes or so of, the, of us having the conversation? Are there any other things that you think are really important for yoga teachers to understand about connection, whether they're new or whether they've been around the block for a little bit? Yeah, the epigraph that we used for this pillar, for this section of the book is called From Core to Core. And in those four words, we. I'm really fond of them because there's so much packed into there. For one thing, uh, for people who come to yoga younger, which I was at one point, um, core work was work. It was what I wanted to do to get the abs that I wanted. <clears throat> so it was a very physical thing. 
Um, and it was wonderful to kind of work my front and work my back and do all those ex exercises. I actually ended up growing about a half an inch once I started yoga because everything kind of just went like this. It wasn't about posture. It was about that tension integrity that I, that I got from that physical part of the practice. But core is also from the French word for heart. So it's not just this, um, you know, the, the muscles and the joints and the ligaments. It's also bringing the heart in and connecting those two. Yoga itself means yoking and connection. Um, so um, from core to core is to, to kind of bring it all about this, this pillar that I love so much, which is that human element of attachment, attunement, seeing, feeling, knowing ourselves. There's so much richness in this, in this particular section. And I'll add on from a teacher's perspective is that it is, it, Lori referred to this earlier, it's seeing people, it's acknowledging people, it's, it's being present enough and grounded enough myself that as they come in, my energy isn't scattered all over the place because I'm wondering if the blocks are in order and if the towels are coming out of the dryer and, and it's being there with them. And at that core, even if I mess up my sequence, even if I forgot to bring my quote into the room, any really it's the essence of what energetically I bring into the practice that I think is that core connection, core to core, heart to heart. I'm here, I see you, you're important. Um, and I want to be here and create the space for you. And that heart of service comes through no matter what happens in the course of my class. I love it. And service does go hand in hand with connection. So definitely, definitely great point there. I think that connection is really important when we are working with students, whether they're one-on-ones or in a group. And I personally think something that really resonated with me from our conversation today is that it all starts with connection with yourself. So ultimately we have to connect to ourselves to understand how to connect with others. And if that's not there, then it, it becomes very difficult for us to authentically connect um, with others. So this has been a great conversation, ladies. Thank you so much for being here today. Again, uh, we have Lori and Sherry. They are co-authors of Standing Room Only, How to Be That Yoga Teacher. And it is currently on sale on Amazon. And we are going to continue with uh, the next pillar, pillar number four, uh, commitment in our next session. So thanks again, ladies, for being here. We look forward to having you back. Michelle, it's been great connecting with you. Michelle, thank you for creating this beautiful space for us. Absolutely. Take care, y'all.